Welcome to the 507 Podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Baymanette. Now let's get to the talk with host Joel Carter. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of 507. Today we have a special guest with us. We have J.D. Drinkard who is joining us today. Uh, he's going to bring us up to speed on some of the cool things that God is doing through him and in the ministry uh, that he has begun. Uh, ben Lockridge, our communications director, is with us today uh, because there's some real cool things that Ben and J.D. have had an opportunity to talk about. And I'm anxious to really hear what God is doing uh, in the ministry with, uh, with J.D., uh, with what he's been doing with you and your family, and Ben, how he's brought you all together with the connection that y'all have there. So, um, Ben, why don't you take it away? Oh, absolutely. If anybody's been tracking with the podcast, you you might already know my story. I've been here since August. And uh, very shortly after we moved here, uh, we started frequenting a coffee shop, (laughs) Beans on Hand. Uh, Carla Dias runs that place. Uh, My wife actually works there now. It's funny, funny how things work out. And uh, so, but, do you actually make money, or you just spend what she makes? It kind—it's kind of a, a circulating thing. Go. Like it's yeah. like a return on your investment. I buy coffee, and then in case it gets a tip later. Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but but shortly after our, our visits, uh, Carla introduced us to JD uh, Drinkard, and we we had a, a an incredible conversation that day. Uh, we both got blessed in that conversation. Most of our listeners probably, if, again, if you've been listening, you know part of my story. I have a daughter with autism. Uh, she was diagnosed early, we were told, at uh, the age of three, and um, that has just been a big part of our lives. Obviously, uh, some of our ministry efforts as a husband and wife, my wife Casey, um, has has uh, spawned from you know autism and trying to ask the question because i know i know this question's been asked of of you is you know why god you know or you've had that question why would god allow this to happen to a child you know or anybody really you know why why would this happen and he answered that question for me but jd i kind of want your story today and uh and i'm i'm sure you know a lot will come out of this but anyway uh so just just starting out we just like to hear an individual story about how Jesus changed your life just to start out. So if you can kind of tell us, you know, your, uh, your salvation story as a, as a, as a, a starting point, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, just, you know, th- hey, thank you all for letting me come here. Let me share, th- share this. Um, it's, uh, it's been almost 20 years since I've been at this church. You know, I actually uh, spent some time in the youth group here when I was in high school. I was a, I'm a 2002 graduate of Baldwin County High School, so it's kind of like a a homecoming for me to be here today. So I appreciate that, um, you know. But um, I always grew up in the church. You know, my mom she was a financial secretary. Uh, we started off at uh, First Baptist Chickasaw uh, back when I was five years old, and uh, it really for me it started then. You know, spending all my time growing up in the church, and I remember asking mom one day. I said, you know, mom, why why is everybody around here so happy? You know, and, and my mom being who she was, she, she saw an opportunity to really just kind of share the gospel with me. And uh, she said, well, you know, it's because they have Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I just really started asking some questions. And I said, you know what? I, that's what I want. I want some Jesus, too. I want to be happy like everybody else. You know, and so from really from that point on, you know, um, was just I had, the, I had the gospel kind of poured into me. I, you know, I grew up not saying that I always uh, did the best to, to follow that, you know, um, growing up in, growing up in the country and from Stockton, you know, 
uh, being a country boy, you know, uh, rebellious and everything like that uh, that came with that. I, uh, I went off and I joined the military right out of high school. You know, like I said, I graduated September 11th, or uh, I went to basic training September 11th, 2002, so the one-year anniversary. I was a high school senior when the World Trade Centers uh, hit, and uh, it changed a lot of us. You know, so I knew right out of high school, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go and defend my country. And, um, you know, I struggled with a lot of stuff when I came back. I think a lot of young veterans do, really trying to find where do you fit in because you don't fit in with your old group because those guys have gone off and either gone to college or started careers or started a family, you know, and here you are, you're coming back in trying to pick up basically where you left off and there's nobody there anymore. They've all moved on, you know, and so... I really saw myself struggling for several years, uh, really going through that. But I think it was having the foundation that I had that my parents really poured into me as a child uh, was something that always kind of kept me grounded. Um, And then I remember as a training NCO, um, I really felt like God was calling me and convicting me because on our training schedule, we always had a place where I would write down that we had a chapel service one hour every Sunday. Uh, but it was just one of those things that we were just kind of writing down and we never really did. You know, sometimes we would try to let the kids go in there and somebody share a devotion or something, but we never really gave them a chapel service like, like we said that we were doing. And, and for me as a, as a leader and as an NCO, that convicted me. As a Christian, that convicted me. And, you know, I went to my boss one day and I said, hey, look, you know, uh, we got to fix this. You know, if we're going to do everything the right way, if we're saying that we're going to be you know, have the honor and integrity and everything else that we talk about in our Army values, then, you know, we, we've got to do this. Hmm. And he said, all right, Sark, you figure it out. And I said, all right then. <laughs> so, you know, you know, and God said, all right, hey, look, I want you to run this chapel service. And I was like, you know, God, I, I know that you know what you're doing, but I don't think you know what you're doing right now. Like, I'm not in a place in my life where I need to be leading any chapel service. And uh, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I will. Uh, I'll call some buddies of mine and I, that are that are in, in ministry, and I'll have them come in and lead it. And I think that'll be great for the kids. And of course, that didn't work out at all. And I said, "Well, you know what?" I said, "You know, we've got some video ser- uh, sermons from my church." I said, "You know, let's let's play those." That didn't work out at all. And, and God just kept staying on me and staying on me. He said, "No, I want you to lead it." And I said, "Fine." You know what? I know exactly what you're willing to do to get somebody's attention. And I don't belong in the belly of no fish. So I'm going to go ahead and submit right now. And I said, okay, God, we'll, we'll try it your way. And I walked in the door that first day, and I never will forget the fear in these kids' eyes because I was, I was one of their instructors at the time. And usually when they saw me, they'd done something wrong, and I was there to yell at them. And they all look at me, and they're like, sorry, sorry, sorry. We're in here for church. Like, we're supposed to be in here. Like, they told us to come in here. And I said, you know what? I said, guys, this is, this is, this is why I'm here. I said, because I have been training you mentally and physically to get ready for, to go for combat, to, to succeed in life. I said, but I haven't, I haven't trained you spiritually. And that's my fault. I failed you. I said, as a leader, I failed you. I said, because for me, and that's where I really started sharing them, kind of the foundations that I had growing up and how I was able to kind of deal with a lot of the issues that I dealt with coming back from Iraq. Um, being just being a young soldier, period, but away from home and stuff like that, you know, really having having these these um, these foundings, these footholds in my life that always gave me something to come back to. In fact, when I was in Iraq, when I'd go on patrols uh, with my unit, I always carried around a soldier's Bible, and it was a um, New Testament. I kept right there in my IVA, and uh, after a bad day, long day, um, I would crash out on a on a cot somewhere. And I'd pull out that New Testament Bible and I'd just sit there and read it, you know. 
And a lot of guys were looking at me like, man, what are you doing? I said, dude, I just, I done, I done poured out everything I have today. I gave everything I had today, you know. Yeah. I said, I need, I, I got to re-energize, you know, and that's where I, I kept finding my strength. And, and so really that, that became my story and my legacy. You know, uh, we started that chapel service. Uh, we went from having five or six people to it. Uh, to I mean, we would get up close to 100 kids, you know, during the summertime when we were at our, our largest as we were getting ready to uh, send kids to training and stuff like that. Uh, we saw people come in that were, you know, that were Jews, that were atheists, uh, come to accept the Lord, you know, just because they were like, hey, you know, I've never had anybody explain it to me like this. Like, I've never had somebody just sit down with me and look me, look me in the eye right. and, and, and explain this to me and, and really live it out. And they're like, you live it out in the way that you treat us and the way that you look after us. And like, you're hard on us sometimes. You know, God's hard on us sometimes too. Right. You know, God disciplines us in certain ways, and you've shown us that. Um, so from there, I was able to go off and uh, started, uh, started seminary at Liberty. Um, you know, and then, of course, that's where, you know, life started changing uh, about midway through uh, my master's degree at Liberty. Well, good. And, and, uh, you have a ministry uh, that, that you're running, uh, John 9-3. Tell me how that came about. Tell, tell me the backstory story and, 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 you know, where we are today on that. Yeah, so uh, John 9-3 Foundation, you know, uh, being like you mentioned earlier, you have a child with autism. Um, during my second marriage, I had a stepson uh, that was diagnosed with autism uh, at, at seven, eight years old. It was right there around that time frame of his birthday. And, um, you know, he kept, he had been struggling in a lot of different aspects and we just didn't, we, we didn't understand why. Uh, and my, and my wife, she was so great about pouring into our children and really spending time. And, and she's like, you know, I think maybe, maybe, maybe he has autism, you know? So she really started pushing the doctors, you know, and because he was so high functioning, it was missed for so long, you know, um, basically his his diagnosis would be more of an Asperger's diagnosis. Right. Uh, however, they got rid of that diagnosis and everything falls under autism spectrum disorder. And so, but, you know, having a name for it helped him and us to understand, okay, well, this is why things are like this, you know, and these are things that we can do to help them, you know. And just going back to that same question, you know, why do, why do these things happen? You know, why do bad things happen to good people? The same same old thing that, you know, um, that same old question that people ask for generations, you know, why do good things happen to bad people? I mean, bad things happen to good people, right. you know. And so my wife and, and son, they were sitting around the table one day, and they were discussing about this girl who couldn't feel pain. Uh, she had, and I forget what type of um, disorder it was, but she, she couldn't feel pain. And so she was constantly getting hurt over and over again. She would touch a hot stove and burn her hand. She would... Uh, break a bone and keep going and, and make the break even worse, you know, because she didn't feel it. And, and my son, he, he looks at my wife and he says, well, why, why would God let that happen? And, and my wife, seeing that, and it was almost like, you know, when I think back on it, I think back to the same moment that my mom had when I asked my mom, why are all these people happy? You know, uh, my wife took that, that as a teaching moment and flipped it around on him and he said, well, why do you feel like God allowed you to be autistic? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, so I can help other people like me. And, and my wife had come across this verse in the Bible, you know, John chapter 9, verse 3, John chapter 9, talking about Jesus and his disciples coming upon the man of war blind. Disciples asked, well, whose fault is it? Why did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and Jesus said, hey, look, you know, 
this happened so that the works of God could be displayed through him, you know. And so it kind of became our family verse, you know. We started looking at different ways to help out in the autism community. And, and just a few short later, uh, years later, um, I started having strokes. Uh, I, had received, I had gotten a traumatic brain injury while I was in Iraq from an IED and um, had had, year, had problems for years. Um, headaches, real bad headaches. Uh, then it went into uh, to blackouts and it went into memory loss. And then eventually I, I threw uh, too many strokes and, and lost the full use of my right side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I was talking about. I was in seminary working on my master's degree. Wow. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, a chaplain, you know, uh, on top of my regular military duties. I covered as the unit chaplain. Uh, I was a prison minister, you know, at Loxley working with our church. I was, you know, a volunteer firefighter. Like I was doing all these things to help other people. And, you know, I'm like, God, why? Yeah. Why me? Why now? You know? And really, everything that Jaden said, my, my, my oldest son that, you know, was so I could help other people like me, it all started kind of coming back. And, and God's like, look, I'm fixing to give you a platform that you would have never had if you'd have just kept walking through life. And so it was really kind of at that moment where I just said, all right, God, I'm going to turn this all over to you and you show us what you want us to do with it. And uh, through a lot of prayer and, and, and consideration, that's how our foundation came about. And we kept kept our family verse, John 9, 3, and just turned that into a foundation so that we could help other families that were like ours. Absolutely. What do you guys do? What does your organization do for people? Um, just, just for anybody who may not know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when I sit down and I tell people sometimes what we do, they're like, man, you're running in all these different directions, you know. Uh, and, and you'll understand a little bit as I explain it. So, so we have the autism side uh, where we started off uh, basically trying to find uh, what resources were in the area. Uh, and at this time, we're, we're looking at eight, nine years ago, there was really nothing here in Baldwin County. The uh, uh, Autism Society of Alabama, they were over in Mobile and they were doing great there and they were in Birmingham. But in Baldwin County specifically is what we were trying to look for. Um, and uh, the new center hadn't been built in Daphne yet. They were just kind of coming along. Um, and so my wife was reached out to uh, Autism Society Alabama. They were getting ready to do autism walks, and they had this thing online that says, uh, if you're interested in having a walk hosted in your neighborhood or in your community, you know, fill out this form. And so my wife, she filled out the form, and a couple of weeks later, we get this box, big old box in the mail, and it says, you know, thank you for volunteering to put on a walk in your community. <laughs> and my wife looked at me, and I looked at her, and I, I said, what did you do? <laughs> I just wanted some information, you know. And uh, I said, well, look, I said, maybe it's God's way of showing us. You know, we kept trying to figure out what do we do? You know, how do we get involved? And I said, maybe God just answered the door and, uh, you know, and uh, sent this box to us to get us jump started. So, uh, so we started doing that. We we did the, we did a walk uh, in Fairhope and uh, had a great turnout. Uh, Hundred and something people showed up the first year uh, that we did it, and uh, she started telling me about uh, sensory friendly movies. I had no idea what that was, you know. And uh, they were big in, in Birmingham. They were kicking some off in Mobile, and so we just started researching. And uh, and basically, a sensory friendly mo- movie for anybody that doesn't know. Um, it's where the uh, the lights are turned up just a little bit in case the kids want to get up and kind of move around. You know, we keep the crowd size small and contained. Everybody there understands um, that the kids there have special needs. And, and, you know, sometimes that means they're going to talk during the movie or they're going to move around during the movie. We um, 
have the movie theater to actually take the volume and turn it down a little yeah. bit so it's not so loud. It's not a sensory overload for them. Um, and we just create a nice, loving, safe space for them. And uh, the first the first time we did that, we've done a few. And the very first one we did, we had this kid, and he was he's probably 18, 19 years old. Uh, he was there with his family, uh, mom, dad, older brother. And he laughed through the whole movie. It was just... It, for some people, it, it, maybe it's annoying. I don't know. For me and my wife, it was just so heartwarming to hear, you know, because that's what we were trying to accomplish. We wanted people right, to be able to right. enjoy this, and this this kid was enjoying it enough for everybody. And uh, after the movie, the, the wife came up to me, the mom came up to me, and, uh, you know, she just uh, tears. And she said, you know, this is the first time that my family has ever been to a movie together. Yeah. You know, and I was like, you know, I told, I told my wife, I said, well, you know, if we don't do it, but for one family. And that's why we do it. That's why we're here, you know. Uh, and and stories like that just kept piling in. We had another story of a young man that uh, his family had been kicked out of a movie theater down in Gulf Shores um, because he was, you know, up running around and and you know it's not things that he could help. It was part of his autism, and you know, uh, we heard about it and put on an entire movie just for him. Uh, we made a day just for him. And we re-showed the movie that he went to go watch. Uh, I called some of my, bil- my buddies up in the military, and they came out in uniform and met him. You know, because um, he just thought it was the coolest thing ever, you know. Uh, and to this day, actually, we still talk and hang out and uh, spend time with his family and love on his family and stuff like that. And, um, you know, uh, so so we have that. We had the walk. Uh, we had the, uh, the movies. Well, we partnered with the city of Daphne, put on a resource fair. Um, and, and that was great. We were able to have, man, probably over 300 uh, people come out that day. Uh, Baldwin County Search and Rescue, Lifelight came and, uh, and landed, ambulance services, police departments, fire departments. And, and really for me, having that first responder background, it was an opportunity for me to talk to these guys about how to react when you come upon a child with special needs, you know, yeah, because, yeah. you know, the lights, the sirens, everything like that puts them in, in you know, yeah, in run mode. And so, uh, you know, it was just a teaching moment for me. It was a fun moment for the kids and the families to be able to come out and connect and, and find some local resources and everything like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, also for me to be able to work with the first responders. Uh, and then also the other thing we do is we give away weighted blankets. You know, our son, one of his biggest... Uh, biggest tools that ever helped him was having a blanket uh, to be able to put on to kind of help with that sensory stuff. You know, children with autism, they burrow, they typically burrow, which means they have to pull the covers over their head, pillows over their head, put stuff on top of them. And, uh, you know, part of the therapy uh, tools that they use are, are things with weights and compression to help calm them down. So we found a lady that makes weighted blankets. It's something she wanted to do to kind of help offset the cost so she could be a stay-at-home mom and stay with her child. And uh, so we've been ordering for, from her for the last four years. Uh, it's something that, you know, we love to partner with families and, and just kind of give them that tool. And we were one of them, by the way. <laughs> J.D. actually sent Blake, my youngest, a weighted blanket in the mail with her name on it. Actually had her name on it. It's her blanket. She loves that thing. She burrows with it every night. And I'm telling you, it, it, you would think such a small thing does so much, you know, for, for a kid in that situation. Just yeah. to make them feel like they're in a, a safe space and uh, they can decompress. And But I can tell you. And then and then talking about sensory uh, uh 
movies and stuff. We we've been to a few of those in Mississippi, and uh, they didn't happen nearly enough. But mm-hmm. they're they are wonderful experiences. It, it is very freeing to know that if your kid, you know, has a meltdown in the middle of a room, it's a room full of people who who get it. They understand, and it's not is is. Anxious feeling <laughs> when you're in that situation. Katie, it sounds like you've taken that command of Christ to offer a cup of cold water and figured out that means more than just a cup of water. That's each individual person has their own individual cup of water they need. You know, particularly for families dealing with autism, finding what that need is for them and understanding that need because your own, you know, family issues as you've dealt with that, you know, and understanding that, you know, that means more to them than we could ever know. Just like you said, just like a, a movie. I mean, we go to a movie and don't think another thing about it, but to realize that for a family that could never go because of their child and they want to provide that, want to provide that, that experience, but the possibility of renting out the entire movie theater just is an impossibility. That's a cup of cold water that I, most people would never even imagine. And, and that, that's really cool that, that, that your foundation is looking for those different cups of cold water to give. Yeah.